Laudator Jesus Christus, praise be Jesus Christ. This is Matt Gaspers, Managing Editor of Catholic Family News, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Dr. Brian McCall, who is the Editor-in-Chief of CFN. Hello, Brian, I hope you're doing well today. I am doing well, end of a good week. Yes, uh, a very full week of liturgical feasts on the traditional Roman calendar. Uh, we're coming to you today on Friday, August 7th, 2020. And today on the church's traditional calendar is the feast of St. Cajetan, who was a, a late 1400s to mid 1500s saint and founder of the Theatines, also known as the Congregation of Clerics Regular of the Divine Providence. And on a side note, St. Cajetan is sometimes confused with another famous Cajetan from the same era, the Dominican theologian and cardinal. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Dominican Cajetan was the one who kind of interrogated Martin Luther at one of the famous, uh, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a trial, ecclesiastical trial or a diet, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, that was Cardinal Cajetan. Yes. So as far as St. Cajetan is, is concerned, uh, and the order that he founded, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, quote, the chief object of the Theatine order was to recall the clergy to an edifying life and the laity to the practice of virtue. Uh, viewers who are familiar with church history may know that the, the 1400s was not a particularly um, morally edifying time in, in church history, particularly in Rome. There was a lot, the, the spirit of the Renaissance had really infiltrated mm. the church. We hear that word a lot today, infiltration. Uh, so the, the church was definitely in need of, especially of the moral reform. I know Brian has done a lot of study uh, of that era in church history. So uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia continues regarding our saint for today. St. Cajetan and his companions zealously endeavored to combat the errors of Martin Luther, which was really an overreaction to those Renaissance uh, abuses, you could say, which having gained a foothold in Switzerland, meaning Lutheranism, uh, Switzerland, Germany, England, and France, then threatened Italy. So the Theatines founded oratories and hospitals, devoted themselves to preaching the gospel and reforming lax morals. Uh, through their good example, clergy and laity were induced to better living. Throughout this week, the church has also celebrated the feasts of St. Alphonsus Liguori. His, his feast fell on Sunday, August 2nd this year. Uh -huh. And he's really one, the church's greatest moral theologian, which is very providential for one of our stories this week. We also celebrated the feast of St. Dominic, a medieval saint, a, the champion against the Albigensian heresy, and the saint to whom Our Lady gave the Holy Rosary in the form that we have it today. Yes. Yeah. Also celebrated the dedication of St. Mary Major, also known as Our Lady of the Snows Basilica in Rome, which, which is one of the four major basilicas in Rome, or the station churches, I think they're also called. And, and also, uh, finally, yesterday was the Feast of the Transfiguration of Our Lord. So a, a great week of feasts on the church calendar. And again, another example where you know, the Novus Ordo gets rid of things, they transfer tr transfiguration to a Sunday. Uh, so again, the whole, whole, one of the whole aspects of the liturgical calendar reform as it's played out has been to become Protestant, which is, you know, there's only liturgy on Sunday. You go to church on Sunday and, you know, maybe Bible study on Wednesday. 
Whereas the traditional calendar, it's you know, every day, as we say, every day of the week, uh, you know, it lives and breathes some liturgical aspect of the church. Uh, but again, that we see that with the American bishops moving all the holy days of obligation, more or less, to Sunday in most cases. And that's just another example with the Transfiguration, a second-class feast of our Lord um, that, you know, just gets pushed to a Sunday. Right. Right. So uh, before we jump into our news stories today, I am going to invite all of our viewers, if you've enjoyed this show thus far, please like this video on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. And liking and specifically sharing the video really helps us to expand our audience, to reach more people, to grow the channel. So we do ask for your support in that manner. And we'll also begin, uh, before we jump into the news, invoking Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, to help us uh, obtain for us the graces we need to really unpack this week's news stories. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Well, well our gonna... first story, I'll be our first story, and I found a little uh, video clip to introduce our first story, which is going to be on the Sino-Vatican debacle, the Chinese Vatican debacle. Wazanowski, you didn't file your paperwork last night. Oh, that darn paperwork. Wouldn't it be easier if it all just blew away? Don't let it happen again. Yes, Paula. <laughs> I'll try to be less careless. I'm watching you, Wazanowski. Always watching. Well, as we'll see in this story, that's, uh, uh, that sums up the Vatican uh, relationship with China. <laughs> watching, always mm. watching. Uh, this is what happens Perfect. when you yes. try to make an alliance with the devil. So this week, uh, what are we talking about? July 30th, LifeSite News reported, quote, a group of cybersecurity experts has found out that Chinese hackers, likely on behalf of the communist Chinese government, have spied on the Vatican for months. This breach in security was discovered ahead of negotiations to extend the controversial, to say the least, my interjection, secret deal between the Vatican and China on the nomination of bishops. And yet, as we've reported several times, this was a deal struck in the fall of 2018, uh, which is secret. The Pope ordered it not to be made public, but only indicated its general outlines, which were essentially uh, to concede and surrender to the communists in China and let the Communist Party of China appoint bishops uh, in China to, and to essentially de facto recognize the so-called Catholic Patriotic Association, which was the communist front schismatic church that tried to lure away Chinese uh, underground uh, Catholics. And, uh, as, and many people didn't, uh, didn't know uh, this, this agreement was a temporary agreement for two years, so it's coming to an end, September uh, of uh, this year, 2020. And uh, according to uh, the China-based outlet Global Times, so again, this is coming from a China-based uh, news agency, reported uh, negotiations uh, between China and the Vatican of the renewal of the agreement on bishop 
uh, appointments, and there's our key to what's in it, is proof that the framework has worked well for the past two years. I would interject, worked well for the communists. <laughs> yes. Which will help elevate the bilateral relations to the next level, observers said. So again, notice that ominous. We already did this deal where the, where the church succeeded authority over appointing their bishops to the communists, uh, and now saying we're going to go to the next level. I shudder to think what the next level is uh, above that. Continuing, China and the Vatican are negotiating the renewal of the provisional agreements on bishop appointments, which is due to expire uh, in September. Well, I'm not surprised that they're happy on how things are going since uh, negotiations go pretty well when you're spying on the other party and know what you're doing. I also wanted to interject real quick. The, the bishop that this uh, China-based outlet quoted, Bishop Marcello Sanchez Sarando, yes. Yes. is the same notorious prelate from the Vatican who told Vatican Insider a publication in February of 2018, so months before the secret deal was signed, that, quote, those who are best implementing the social doctrine of the church are the Chinese. D does the prelate not understand that he's saying that, the com in other words, communism is the correct implementation of the social doctrine of the church? <laughs> Which is, runs 180 degrees from the social doctrine of the church. And Pius XI, in no uncertain terms, condemned any cooperation with communists, and that communism is antithetical to the faith, antithetical to Catholic social doctrine. I believe the phrase that he used in his 1937 encyclical was a satanic scourge. Yes. But here now we have the, this cardinal uh, saying that they are the Catholics, the communists. I mean, this is the insanity of what's going on. I believe he said that actually after a visit to China of all, yes. of all times, so of all seeing times. it firsthand. And again, what do we know? We know that since that accord, the underground church, the Catholics and priests who remained faithful to the church through persecution are being rounded up and persecuted by the communists. They took the opportunity to do this. Um, and you know, we know Cardinal uh, uh, McCarrick, through the testimony of Archbishop Vigano, was deeply involved in orchestrating this sellout agreement. Again, after he was supposed to be banished and sent away and kept in private, uh, uh, by uh, supposedly by orders of Benedict XVI, he was uh, used by Pope Francis shortly before he was exposed uh, to negotiate this secret deal uh, with the communists. And again, further proof for the, the false friends of Fatima who claimed Russia was consecrated, it's all over, everybody can go home. The errors of Russia are alive and well, right? and they are clearly spreading uh, from Beijing all around the world and are now their tentacles deep literally deep in the Vatican and uh, uh, have in infiltrated the Vatican and they are watching, always watching. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I'll, I'll uh, include a link in the description to this video of an article I wrote in March of 2018 called Errors of Russia Alive and Well in Beijing and Rome and Moscow for further reading on this subject because it is a, a very important topic and it definitely has a lot of connections with the message of Our Lady of Fatima. And also a link to uh, readers may have already, or viewers rather, may have already seen are the lengthy interview that uh, Archbishop Vigano recently gave to Italian journalist Marco Tassati. We have that posted on our website. Uh, it was posted on July 27th. And during that interview, he, make, he makes reference to uh, Cardinal ex-Cardinal McCarrick's involvement in the in the hatching of this 
terrible deal that really sells out the true church in China. Yes. So for some good news this week, uh, some encouraging news, we were actually alerted uh, that a U.S. congressman favorably mentioned Catholic Family News during an official hearing of the House Judiciary Committee held on July 29th, so last week, Wednesday. And the House Judiciary Committee, like, for give you a little uh, overview of civics lesson of how Congress works, basically the, the members of the House and Senate break up into small groups called committees and, and to discuss bills and other um, other matters involving, um, let's see, I was gonna. Investigation, I guess, is the best way. Yeah, that's a good word. And not only um, considering legislation, but also investigating various things. So the hearing, this hearing was part of an ongoing investigation into, quote, online platforms and market power. And the first hearing in this in the series was actually held last June, so it's a very it's a long time investigation going on here. The most recent hearing in the series, which was last week, July 29th, during which CFN was mentioned, dealt specifically with examining the dominance of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. That was kind of the subtitle of the meeting, mm -hmm. and the CEOs of those respective corporations were the witnesses. Uh, question by committee members. Normally they would usually come uh, testify in person, but because of the COVID situation, they did it remotely through video. So during this hearing, uh, Representative Matt Geitz, a Republican from the state of Florida, was really pressing uh, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos regarding Amazon's reliance on the infamous Southern Poverty Law Center or SPLC for short, and they're basically a self-appointed arbiter of who qualifies as, quote, extremist. And that's when he named CFN, among some other groups, as receiving unfair treatment uh, from uh, SPLC. So we're going to play the clip here so you can see uh, what transpired during the meeting. seconds, Mr. Bezos. Uh, I am deeply moved by your personal story. I am not here accusing you as someone who would ever traffic in hate, uh, but it seems you have empowered people who do. And I'm particularly talking about the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which you allow to dictate who can receive donations on your Amazon Smile platform, have said the Catholic Family News, Catholic Family Ministries, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, the American Family Association, the Family Research Council, the Jewish Defense League, and even Dr. Ben Carson are extremists and should be treated differently. Dr. Carson is on the cabinet and is one of the most renowned minds in, in America. I, I'm just wondering why you would place your confidence in a group that seems to be so out of step and seems to take mainstream Christian doctrine and label it as hate. Uh, and uh, again, it's funny, if you watch the whole clip, then Bezos just tries to advertise how great Amazon is and never really answer the question. <laughs> right. He ends by saying he acknowledges it's an imperfect system and is open to suggestions for improvement. And I love how um, Representative Geitz ends by simply saying, well, I would recommend a divorce, an immediate divorce from yes. the Southern Poverty Law Center. And we and heartily again, agree with that. Hardly, and Catholic Family News really for oh fifteen over fifteen years. Uh, 
some writings of John Venari and Chris Ferrara have exposed the Southern Poverty Law Center for what it is, a, a scam. They collect hundreds of millions of dollars in donations a year. They have nothing to do with Southern poverty. Uh, nice. It's a, the name it reflects all they do. They, their big way they generate money is they generate this hate list and create hate indexes um, where they just decide what constitutes hate. Right. And uh, uh, as, as you can see just from the sample of the list by Representative Getz, their main target uh, are anybody that's religious or related to the family. So Catholic Family News gets struck, I guess. Right. It's basically a leftist organization yes. that tries to pawn itself off as this objective, um, wanting to keep people safe, because they yes. lump they lump organizations like CFN, the Remnant, um, Tradition in Action, other as uh, radical traditional Catholicism, mm -hmm. and put them at the same level of so-called hate group as like the Ku Klux Klan and, and actual, you know, terrorist organizations. So it's really, it's really insane that they are allowed to get away with that. And I recalled uh, when I was um, preparing a report for this story that John Venari a uh, long time ago wrote an article against this unjust label back in 2007 called The Seven Highly Effective Habits of Hate Mongers. <laughs> that was a good title. Because that's really what they're doing. They, they claim to be uh, you know, crusading against hate and bigotry, but that's actually what they're encouraging by their whole system of the way they do things. Yes, and what, you know, what Bezos does is Amazon has this program where you, you know, a small percentage of all your purchases can be donated to charity, and you can pick a charity, an approved charity, uh, that it gets donated to, and they say the way they decide who's approved is they use the Southern Poverty Law Center's list and cut out people that are, that are on it. Uh, and again, so the congressman said, you know, who are you to be the arbiter uh, of this? You, you people, if they want to, if you want to let them donate, uh, you get to direct them by using this. And again, it's not just Catholic Family News. There have been articles in Washington Post and sort of even mainstream uh, newspapers that have exposed the hypocrisy. The most recent uh, around of which showed that the entire organization had a whole bunch of scandals of sexual harassment of their employees. So again, <laughs> all the other liberal outlets and other sort of double standard for what they really care about. But they also expose their hypocrisy and they're just targeting uh, particularly religious groups. Yes, so uh, before we move on, we just wanna give a shout out to Representative Matt Geitz and thank him for his mention of Catholic Family News and for his stalwart efforts to hold Mr. Bezos and the other uh, executives accountable for this kind of stuff. Yes. So our next story, we uh, go back over to Los Angeles, and uh, this story actually comes from uh, an interesting source, one we wouldn't uh, normally recommend, the National Catholic Reporter, or the Na as John used to, Venari used to call it, the National Catholic Distorter. Uh, <laughs> there we go. But uh, they reported a secret invite-only meeting uh, held uh, uh, with Bishop Robert Barron, who we mentioned a few times on this, this program before, uh, he was the hitman called in to defend Vatican II, we reported on a few weeks, when Archbishop Vigano uh, came out in his, his statements. Uh, and according, according to uh, the National Catholic Reporter, they spoke with Brandon uh, Voigt, who is the contact director for Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, which is uh, the bishops connected with. And Voigt told them that the secret, the invite-only secret meeting 
uh, was to discuss, quote, a culture of contempt among Catholics online, the rise of, quote, tabloid style news in the Catholic press, often in service of accruing web traffic and video views, uh, the influence of the so-called radical traditionalist. Now, look at that. It's interesting. That's why we paired these two stories. Who is Barron uh, allied with here with this term? Uh, or rad trad movements online. Um, so who is he talking about? We rad trads, according to them, the National Catholic Distorter. Rad trads are, quote, often young Catholics who prefer traditional liturgy, including the Latin Mass and subscribe to more conservative political beliefs and religious practices, end quote. In other words, they're orthodox. <laughs> In other words, exactly. In other words, they're the life of the church, right? <laughs> young, notice again, I thought it was interesting. He says young Catholics, right? So the young Catholics who actually care about their faith, believe in it, and attend the traditional Latin mass. So if you're watching this video, he's talking about you, most likely, would be my guess. Right? <laughs> and who is he talking about? He's talking about uh, online apostolates like this, like Taylor Marshall, like the Remnant, uh, Remnant Life Site News. Yeah. News. And why is he doing this now? Again, why did he call this meeting now? Well, here's my here's my explanation. I think they're furious that the news media, the mainstream news media, gave any coverage to Archbishop Vigano's interventions to our open letter in support of them. And that's what I think this meeting was about. I think and especially his uh, open letter to President Trump. His yeah. open letter to President Trump, exactly. And I think what he, um, I think that's what this meeting was about. He wants to do a Facebook type censoring and he's saying to these other Catholic media outlets that are under his thumb, cut it out, literally. Uh, well, it's one that he's quoted in and saying, uh, he, uh, wants them to stop covering this. He, he, like Facebook and the information we brought to you last week about COVID-19, he wants it censored. Why? Because it's reaching people. Archbishop Vigano's message is resonating with people. And if you want any more proof of that, uh, in the article he's quoted as saying, uh, for me, it's impossible to repudiate Vatican II and claim to be a traditionalist. Right. He recently re released a video claiming that he considers himself a traditionalist precisely because he upholds the, the orthodoxy of Vatican II. So he's clearly not understanding that the term traditionalist means that you're... <laughs> that you're opposed. <laughs> the discontinuity. And again, I, that line is a direct attack on Archbishop Vigano. I mean, it's, it's, I would, it's even hard to call it veiled. Uh, so that's what this is about. They're calling in the troops to silence... Uh, Vigano's microphone to silence. Uh, Something else worth noting as far in regard to censorship, and this is noted in the, the National Catholic Reporter article, it says, in an interview with National Catholic Register earlier this year, so earlier in 2020, uh, Barron actually suggested that bishops may want to consider introducing, quote, something like a mandatum for those who claim to teach the Catholic faith online whereby a bishop affirms that the person is teaching within the full communion of the Catholic Church. So those are his words. But the supreme irony of this is the very next line in the, uh, the reporter's article says, NCR has confirmed that representatives of, and the first one on the list, America Media. So the implication is that Bishop Barron considers America Media to be teaching, quote unquote, within the full communion of the church, 
Father James Martin is the editor at large of America Magazine. And, and Taylor is, Marshall calls Slim Jim. I like right. <laughs> so the idea that that Father James Martin could, I mean, he basically has received a so-called mandatum from several high-ranking cardinals and bishops in what uh, Archbishop Vigano calls the homosexual current in the church that's bent on undermining the church's teaching God's law concerning homosexual behavior. He has received the mandatum, but that, I mean, that that's only as good as the bishop who gives it. You can have a, a mandatum from a, a material heretic, to, to be blunt, is not worth a whole lot, you know. Yes. And again, the presence of America Media, who again, America Magazine, uh, who is the voice of Pope Francis's radical agenda, headed by a, a clearly heretical priest who advocates for uh, the beauty of, not just the toleration, the beauty of sodomy activity, uh, is just, you know, uh, exposes this for what it is. It's uh, the liberals, liberals were all in favor of no censorship, right? They abolished the index, they abolished any censorship, all the measures Pius X put in place to control modernism, they abolished. But now that they're in ascendancy, they want to bring them out. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're in favor of them. Yes, the supreme irony. Yes. So we'll see, uh, we'll keep you posted if this uh, if developments in this uh, story, I'm yes. sure, I'm sure Bishop Barron and his allies are not finished in their uh, fight to try and battle against the uh, the rise of radical traditionalism. So we'll, mm. we'll stay tuned for more on this story as it develops. Oh, and I also, before we move on, wanted to refer viewers, those who may not have already read, uh, Stephen Cox wrote an excellent article for us a couple weeks ago called Establishment Churchmen. Uh, rush to defend Vatican II after Vigano's remarks, and that's available on our website, catholicfamilynews.com. I'll include a link in the description to this video, because uh, it deals specifically with Bishop Barron. So moving on, we have a couple more stories to share with you today. The first one, I'm sure many of our viewers are well aware of the terrible explosion that took place in Beirut, the capital of the uh, largely Christian nation, Lebanon. I think roughly half of the nation, uh, I don't know the exact population, but it's a very Christian nation. So Brian is going to play a clip or a, a video produced by Rome Reports that has some very striking footage of the, uh, of the explosion itself, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what caused it. This terrible explosion in the Porte of Beirut unleashed chaos and destruction. This priest was live streaming his mass online when the tragedy struck. Immediately after, the city found itself in a state of disarray and speechlessness. This massive and extremely powerful explosion has devastated all of Beirut, the gem of the Middle East. Now they're doing a headcount of people. Each family is checking to see if everyone's there, if everyone's alive. This is what the massive wave left of the Church of the Franciscan Convent. The four friars of this community in Beirut are all right. Now their priority is to help the people. Some have lost everything and now are looking for a place to sleep. Others need help locating their friends and family. Others are in need of basic supplies. 
Entire families have been forced to sleep in the streets because their houses have been completely destroyed. We used to distribute food packages and hygiene supplies against the coronavirus. Now, however, our doors are open to help those affected by this tragedy. Father. And again, I think it was important to look at that report because I think a lot of people, and I, when I first heard the report, thought, oh, there was an explosion on the dock. It, it, it was almost presented as, you know, a little thing happened in Beirut, but, but as this report, uh, the part we showed, uh, indicates it, it had widespread effects, not just, uh, you know, in the direct location where it happened. Right. My understanding is that the, the explosion actually registered on the Richter scale, like a 3.3, 3.5, and it was felt as far away as Cyprus, which is around 130, 135 miles away. So this was a massive explosion. Uh, our, our friend and colleague, uh, Edward Penton for the National Catholic Register, wrote a report the day after the explosion happened. So the explosion was on uh, August 4th. His report came out the next day, August 5th. And the headline says, church leaders in Lebanon appeal for aid in wake of explosion, as you saw that priest in the region uh, asking for help. And Edward says, the Maronite Catholic Church in Lebanon, along with Catholic aid agencies around the world, are appealing for aid after Tuesday's deadly explosion in the port of Beirut that killed 135 people and injured more than 4,000 others. And I know that since uh, his report came out, those both of the the number of deaths and the number of injuries have increased because they've been finding more people, I'm sure, uh, buried in the rubble and such. So uh, I started doing a little looking into the, the, you know, what caused the explosion and seems to be the mainstream narrative that's developed is that there was a, and I'm sure that there, I'm not doubting that there was this stockpile of ammonium uh, nitrate in a stored in a unsafely in a warehouse on the at the port of Beirut. I guess it was confiscated from a foreign ship that docked there way back in I think 2014. It was a Russian ship that was flying a Moldovan flag. That's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. But I also came across an interesting um, video. I think it was recorded on. Well, someone's... I guess just a ammonium nitrate for those who may not know. Yes. Is, has two uses. It's a fertilizer, but it's also used in creating explosives and in several, you know, bombs. So it is, that's how unstable it is. It's directly used to create uh, a lot of explosives that terrorists use. And Correct. It, but although it's been stored there for six years, according to the reports. Right. And the, and the government officials, I think, are acknowledging that it was stored there and that it was stored unsafely and they, they do need to deal with that. I did come across, however, an interesting um, video that someone recorded in Beirut just before the explosion happened, and it, all, it does this posting on Twitter. It says it sounds like uh, jets can, fighter jets can be heard flying overhead just before. So there were actually two explosions, one smaller one at the beginning, which actually ignited the larger one that had the huge white, cl uh, white cloud. So we're going to play a video clip so you can see for yourself, hear for yourself what I'm talking about as far as the jets flying overhead. And as you can see, this uh, was apparently taken with a cell phone of someone uh, who died uh, uh, in this. And then this was recovered from their phone. Please, please, please. 
that was the second second explosion. Yes. So terrible tragedy. I mean, we certainly hope that it was was not some sort of an attack, but it does it does sound like at times you can kind of hear the whizzing of jets go by, and and who knows, it could have been some sort of a a black ops operation. We don't know what what to make of that, but. Uh, but again, Lebanon has always been a, an important point, and, and it's very Christian. Because remember, this was the, the place of the original Crusader kingdoms, you know, extended uh, through Lebanon, and it was one of the major Crusader kingdoms. And uh, it is still very Christian, the Maronite uh, part, Mar Maronite Christians. Their constitution, uh, uh, their modern constitution, uh, required that every president of Lebanon be a Maronite. They kind of had... Uh, different provisions in the Constitution. One party of the government has to be a Muslim, and the president was always to be Maronite uh, Christian. And uh, many of the forces of the world have always been, the Lebanon's been a big fighting ground uh, between both the Israelis and the Arab states around, uh, used it as a proxy war, but are always trying to change the Constitution and sort of destabilize uh, the political settlement in, in Lebanon. So it, it's a place that is often a... Uh, a spark in the Middle East to right. bring about other things. I also wanted, before we move on to our final story, I wanted to note something in uh, Edward Penton's report. It says, he says, the Christian zone in the city was, quote, completely devastated, said aid to the church in needs, Lebanon expert Father Samir Nasif, uh, adding that at least 10 churches were destroyed. You saw in, in our, the Rome Reports video, the priest was actually, the Maronite priest was saying mass when the ceiling started coming down on him, literally. Uh, so Edward says at yes. least 10 churches were destroyed, 300,000 people made homeless, and many others were suffering uh, with livelihoods, quote, totally destroyed by the blast. So we definitely need to remember our Maronite brethren in the church. I mean, all of the people there, of course, but specifically our Christian brethren, pray for them. Um, I don't know if Surely there will be um, ways that we can donate to help them. You know, we want to make sure we're donating to to good, solid organizations that are going to use the money correctly, but uh, do what we can for our brethren over there who are no doubt suffering greatly right now. Yes. So for our final story, it's another uh, coronavirus New World Order kind of update. Uh, as we've reported many times you know, in covering the coronavirus, one of the goals of the, uh, really the deep state uh, has, to use the phrase used by our Archbishop Vigano, his letter to President Trump, uh, that again, that they're using the pandemic for is to push mandatory vaccination. Uh, we That's also mentioned in his, uh, that open letter we published in early May about the appeal for the church in the world. Yes. Uh, we know that uh, one of the big, big New World Order folks, Bill Gates, you know, he said that he thinks the world should be locked down until every single person on the planet is vaccinated with every single vaccine. Um, this has been a big, there's a whole other story on Bill Gates. Uh, he essentially, you know, is, is deeply involved in the corruption of the World Health Organization, which as President Trump has pointed out as a puppet of communist China. But that is definitely one of their goals, his stated goals, is to use the fear from the pandemic to push vaccination. Well, as uh, uh, Archbishop Vigano pointed out to the president in his open letter to him, the deep state is mirrored by a deep church. And the voice of the deep church spoke, as reported by LifeSite News this week, quote, the Catholic Bishops Conference of England and Wales 
has stated that Catholics have a prima facie duty to be vaccinated. Now, again, let's be important about what they're saying. They're now echoing Bill Gates. So they're no, what they're not saying is that it's permissible for, for Catholics morally, because we're going to get to that issue, but they are actually saying are obligated, have a prima facie obligation. You That's a, isn't that a legal term that means like uh, without even substantiating proof or something? Right. That it's just basic case, no need for further proof. Um, it does open that there may be some exceptions, but the, the standard rule is everybody's obligated, even if there's a few exceptions. Um, now, why is it important? Because morally is very complicated. Um, many vaccines uh, are made from uh, abortions, from voluntary abortions. So babies are aborted. And then, for example, in the case of some, some of them, their lungs or different parts of their body is used to cultivate the viruses and to uh, create the vaccines. And then the virus, because that's what a vaccine is, they inject you with a virus. Uh, or they, they are coming fetal cells from uh, abortion. And uh, these have always, these have been known for, for a long, long time. Uh, the rubella vaccine, the chickenpox vaccine, for example, uh, come from these uh, voluntary abortions. You remember, we've done a lot of reporting on selling of body parts to, to science by abortion clinics. Uh, Mr. Dilladin exposed that. Uh, this is one, not the only, but one of the things they have wanted body parts from aborted fetuses for, uh, to do these, to uh, create these vaccines. Well, LifeSite reported why are the bishops talking about it now, which is interesting. Uh, there are, as uh, we've heard, all these different companies rushing to hit the ka-ching of vaccinations. Vaccinations are the most profitable product of the big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they are rushing to develop and get approved a vaccine. And uh, LifeSite reports of the ones that are in trials right now, it appears the ones that the government's going to around the world and the World Health Organization is supporting, use human fetal cell lines that are the products of voluntary abortions. Uh, one of them is... And, uh, so I was just going to mention that this is corroborated for those who want, you know, so a corroborating kind of quote-unquote non-biased or scientific source. I was doing a little research online and I came across an article published in early June in Science Magazine, which is certainly not a, not quote unquote biased in favor of the church or anything. And it confirms this, uh, this fact. It says at least five of the candidate COVID-19 vaccines uh, use one of two human fetal cell lines. And two of the five vaccines have entered human trials. So very disturbing so news. So very disturbing. And, and this is not a surprise. This is how evil operates. When he, and this is uh, in World War II when the Nazis were uh, uh, committing atrocities against human life. We know they used their victims for scientific and medical ex experimentation. They, uh, and particularly using abortion and contraception, they, they did uh, uh, eugenics experiments, but they also uh, took, there's many reports of took human skin from the concentration camps because they were experimenting with using human skin as a building, as a material to make lampshades. And, and there were German generals and, and military people who had in their homes at the end of the war were found, again, for example, a lampshade made of human skin of people that were killed in, uh, in oh the concentration camp. And again, it's interesting that the modern media will revolt at these stories. Oh, this is how horrible. But that's exactly what's going on now with the abortion industry. They are now injecting, want to inject, and are currently with these vaccines, injecting essentially 
the uh, uh, material from the killing of human babies uh, into you, uh, something that derives as a direct chain of causation from it, uh, among other things. Uh, skincare products, med you know, medications, and, uh, and uh, other cosmetics uh, want, want to use these. So uh, what the Catholic bishops say, they rely on a 2005 document from the Vatican which hymns and haws, a very modernist document. I, I was saying to Matt before, I think John Venari either wrote or ran, I, I, we have to try to look for it, shortly after 2005, a critique of this document. Classic modernist fashion. Uh, it goes through and says, it's bad, it's horrible, these companies that create vaccines from human aborted children, it's horrible, you, it's wrong and morally sinful to be involved in that, to market, to sell it. But then through these twists and turns, says, oh, but you know, if you're gonna get your kids vaccinated, it's probably okay. And again, that's, I'm paraphrasing, but more or less what they get to, it's probably okay. Um, if it's a serious enough reason, and they conclude that in these cases it is. Now, I, I'm just, there's so many things about this to, to go through, uh, but it is a flawed document, flawed moral analysis, uh, even on its own premises. So on the facts, let's just take the facts, um, uh, chickenpox. So they're saying, again, that you can cooperate with evil, because that's what they say, it's a remote material cooperation with evil, which you normally can't do. But they say, well, you can do it if the consequences are grave and serious enough. If it's sort of life-threatening, you can do it. Again, there's some problems with the way they state their principle, but even on their own principle, chickenpox. Let's remember chickenpox. If you're like me and had chickenpox, it's unpleasant, you're itchy, you have a fever, but people don't die from chickenpox, right? It's very extremely rare. It's a typical childhood disease that's an inconvenience. So even on their own analysis, they're saying you can materially cooperate with evil and use an abortifacient, I mean, a product of abortion for a disease like chickenpox, right? Again, it's not the bubonic plague. It's not, uh, it's not leprosy, right? It's chickenpox. And again, for all of, we've talked about the coronavirus, uh, it is, uh, again, they're setting people up for that panic for about how bad it is. Uh, but but mm -hmm. even on the Vatican's own analysis, it's not, it's not that serious. Now, let's get a little bit into the traditional view. I mean, they, they, as the Vatican document does say, you cannot formally cooperate with evil, which means you can't intentionally be a part of this. I want to have abortions. I want to get the abortions. I want to use it. I want to discover drugs. That's always impermissible. That's correct. But then they get into this where there is an area, well, okay, well, what about indirect effects where you're involved with, with evil, right? So what if, um, you know, you, uh, uh, you want to provide, sell materials to someone who is going to perform an abortion. So you're going to sell the equipment to the abortionist. You're not maybe saying, well, I don't really want to commit the abortion. I'm just selling my stuff. Even there, again, the church is pretty clear. You can't do that. It, again, this on the objective level, can't do it. Subjectively, if somebody tricks you and you just sell something that's not, that's different, right? That's just subjectively, you mm -hmm. know you are cooperating. But on the objective level, if you know it, you can't do it because you are participating in it. But then you do get things that are sort of further and further apart, right? So, uh, you know, sort of a simple example, an abortionist comes into your store uh, you have a little grocery store and he tries to buy some milk. Well, it's possible the money that he's using, you know, he earned from an abortion. Do you have to say, well, I can't sell you milk uh, because you, you know, might be using money from abortion. And there's where, again, that is remote enough that the church would say, well, look, 
you're not trying to support the abortionist or help him in any way, and he's just buying milk, right? There's nothing in and of itself wrong with buying milk. It is somehow potentially connected to abortion, but it is just so removed from that, right? He's just buying a thing of milk that you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you don't have to, that's not, not a problem. You don't have to like screen all your customers and say, did you earn money from abortion that you're now using? Okay. There's no direct link in other words. There's no direct link, exactly. And what this Vatican document does, and they're the sort of two poles, right? Um, again, another simple example, you know, you're shopping in a store and you find out that the store donates, makes some charitable, well, some, some non-taxable donations <laughs> to questionable causes. Again, you're not there, you're buying a legitimate product, not an immoral product. You're just buying it, trying to buy food for your family. You're not, you just know that they might indirectly use your money as a donation. That would be, again, so far out of the chain of the bad act that it would be uh, not, not morally impermissible. But the, this 2005 document tries to lump this vaccines into it and say, oh, it's just so remote. You're just trying to get some medicine. But the fundamental difference is the abortion, the fetal cell line is directly in the thing you're buying. So again, remember that the abortionist is coming to buy milk. There's nothing in and of itself wrong with milk, right? Here, the thing you're buying, that you're paying for, that you're sticking into your children is the objectively immoral thing. It was something that is, uh, you know, from the, 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 the death of another human being directly, right? It's, 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 it's there. And again, they still confirm, even though these, some of these were decades old, the abortion, the cell lines are still there. Um, yeah, I actually watched a video of the head of, um, I think, immunology at the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. I'll include a link to that video in the description so people can see it for themselves. Now, in his video, he claims that, you know, reciting this 2005 document from the Vatican that, oh, it's fine for Catholics and that Catholics even should receive the vaccine because vaccines save lives, but it's a violation of one of the four yes. uh, the four conditions for what's called the principle of double effect. And I wanted to just share this with folks because I, I found it very helpful. I have a, a Thomistic manual called Right and Reason that was published in the early 50s originally by a father, Austin Fagathy, and he explains the principle of double effect has four conditions. So in other words, um, he says elsewhere in the book, material cooperation in evil can be justified by the principle of double effect. So all four of these conditions have to be met simultaneously. He says, number one, the act must be good or indifferent in itself. So obviously receiving a vaccine, receiving medicine is either good or indifferent. Uh, potentially, like hypothetically. Well, and again, that's where a lot of the dispute that that's not met, right? Because uh, again, where that would be is there's a medicine that's just perfectly morally developed, but by the same company that does the abortion thing. That's where, okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's nothing in this medicine, I like penicillin, that, that, that is morally Im improper. But again, I think here's a problem where this falls down. The thing you're doing itself is, it has, is tainted by being immoral, right? It is right. And that's like, the, the, the second Again, condition that yes. the priest mentions is uh, the good. So in other words, immunization, in our case, must not be obtained by means of the evil. Yes. I mean, and that, that's what it violates. And it clearly violates that as well, that it was obtained by the evil. Again, it's like by, you know, taking home a lampshade made from a human being's skin that was killed in a concentration camp. Right? Same, same thing. You're taking the direct thing caused by the evil. 
And then the last one that they rely on is proportionality. And that's again where they really fall down. Um, proportionality, uh, that the, the good that you're trying to achieve has to so outweigh, be so much better than the, and it's just a sort of small effect of evil. Um, and again, the, the, the scourge of abortion is such a terrible effect, first of all, not just on the way that many pro-life people talk about, but remember, it, kill, it, it uh, deprives the child of baptism, which is even a greater deprivation than natural life. Hugely, I mean, it, it, that is so disproportionate in terms of the harm caused um, that you have a problem. And then I'll just throw this out. We don't have a time to talk about it. But uh, Gates and the WHA talk about how, you know, vaccinations are just so wonderful. Uh, and there's a lot deeper story there in terms of, A, their lack of effectiveness uh, and the harm they themselves cause. And it's interesting, and I'm trying to get into all the details, uh, but if you, uh, there's a lot of documentation on this. The ones that contain the fetal cell lines are the ones that have been most documented to cause grave and serious effects, such as autism. Uh, and I personally know five children, five families, who had perfectly healthy children and immediately after the rubella vaccine became severely autistic, non-communicative, uh, right. anecdotal. There is more evidence of it, you know, that's not anecdotal. Uh, but these vaccines are not, as the Vatican doctrine tries to put forward, oh, beautiful, wonderful, great, good, tiny bit of evil. It's, it's actually their application of even that principle is, is flawed. Hmm. So something else I'm going to include in the description to the video under the heading for this story, there's an, the organization, the, the head of the organization that wrote to the Vatican in 2003 and the Vatican's 2005 response that we've been talking about was a response to this woman's inquiry. Uh, let me see her name here. So Mrs. Deborah L. Uh, Vinage, and she's the executive director of Children of God for Life. And they have a website there. It's the, call themselves the pro-life world leader in the campaign for ethical vaccines, medicines, and consumer products. So I'll include a link to their website. They have a lot of resources on their website. And uh, Brian was mentioning to me, he seems to recall that uh, John Venari had someone possibly from this same organization speak at a CFN conference or in some manner years and years ago. Yes, I'm not sure if it was this lady. I, my memory's not uh, not great on that, but he definitely she was there and had a little table with information uh, on this. And I guess just to close out the story, uh, another important issue for November, uh, because uh, President Trump has gone on record saying that it, that although he's you know allowing these vaccines to be developed, um, he has said two things: one, that there should be moral vaccines. I think what he means by one's not made in this way. But number two, that vaccines must be completely voluntary. So unlike the Chinese-controlled World Health Organization and Bill Gates, who want mandatory, we're going to strap you down like the Nazis and stick these in you, he said, look, we're going to make them available, we'll distribute them, but they have to be, he is on record multiple times being voluntary, that no one will be forced against their conscience uh, to, have, to uh, have this done to them. Uh, Joe Biden, camp, the Democrats have, have come out very much supporting uh, and have implemented where they're in control, in New York, for example, even in private schools, non-government schools, mandatory uh, uh, vaccines. Uh, and, and that's where their platform is headed for the presidential election. So it's, again, another important moral issue that this election will turn upon. 
Yes. So on that note, we'll end our news roundup for this week. And uh, once again, I ask, we ask you to please like the video if you've enjoyed the show today and share it on Facebook and Twitter with your family and friends. That really helps us a lot to grow our audience and reach more folks with this message that we're, the news and commentary that we're providing. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to our channel. And ultimately, if you enjoy this uh, content that we make available for free, on our YouTube channel and, and social media and website. We do ask for your support in the form of a subscription to our monthly publication, Catholic Family News. Information about how to subscribe is available on our website, catholicfamilynews.com, and click the new subscription tab at the top of the homepage. And we will close today as has become our, um, our custom. Every Friday we're praying this prayer that Archbishop Vigano composed specifically for a resurgence of Christianity in America and the re-election of Donald Trump. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Almighty and eternal God, King of kings and Lord of lords, graciously turn your gaze to us who invoke you with confidence. Bless us, citizens of the United States of America. Grant peace and prosperity to our nation. Illuminate those who govern us so that they may commit themselves to the common good in respect for your holy law. Protect those who, defending the inviolable principles of the natural law and your commandments, must face the repeated assaults of the enemy of the human race. Keep in the hearts of your children courage for the truth, love for virtue, and perseverance in the midst of trials. Make our families grow in the example that our Lord has given us, together with his most holy mother and Saint Joseph in the home of Nazareth. Give to our fathers and mothers the gift of strength to educate wisely the children with which you have blessed them. Give courage to those who in spiritual combat fight the good fight as soldiers of Christ against the furious forces of the children of darkness. Keep each one of us, O Lord, in your most sacred heart, and above all, him whom your providence has placed at the head of our nation. Bless the President of the United States of America, so that, aware of his responsibility and his duties, he may be a knight of justice, a defender of the oppressed, a firm bulwark against your enemies, and a proud supporter of the children of light. Place the United States of America and the whole world under the mantle of the Queen of Victories, our unconquered leader in battle, the Immaculate Conception. It is thanks to her and through your mercy that the hymn of praise rises to you, O Lord, from the children whom you have redeemed in the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I wish everyone a good week, and we will see you uh, next week on the vigil of the Feast of the Assumption. Yes. Godspeed. Speed.